praise, O God, I give you glory. And I give you honor, O Lord. We do magnify the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name. O great God, I praise and love you. Thank you, Lord, for heaven's grace. All right, everybody said praise the Lord. It's very good to have you here this morning. Certainly want to remember those that can't be here. I'd like you to continue to remember Brother Franklin, Sister Pearl's husband, and he's fighting quite a battle. They want God to give him a good healing. I'd have to say all healings are good, right? But uh, maybe just a little step up there and, and do that for him would just be wonderful. If you have a Bible this morning, I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Ephesians, New Testament book, of course, book of Ephesians. see what God's word has to say this morning. Always has something good to say, let me tell you. It's a good book, that's what it's called. In the fourth chapter, the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Lots of teaching to the church and that's what you have in Ephesians, by the way. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, once again, are the four accounts of the one gospel. And they give to you the basics, genealogy, and the birth, the announcement of his birth, and then his actual birth. And then, of course, his ministry, all the great things that he did. And then you come to that book of Acts, the fifth book, and that's where the church is launched, is birthed and launched and filled Jerusalem with its doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, and then how we come to churches being, congregations that is being established in many different places, Romans, Corinth, different Rome that is, Corinth, and uh, this morning we're going to deal with the one at Ephesus, okay? So there was an epistle or a letter or a message sent to the new congregation at Ephesus, and they're teaching them, the apostles, are teaching them, okay? Helping them to grow in grace and knowledge as they're commanded. Fourth chapter, the book of Ephesians. And I, I tell you, I could start at the beginning, but I know better to do that. There's just too much reading. And it's all so very, very good. But uh, maybe we could begin with verse 13. And you know, this is on the heels of he put some apostles and prophets evangelists and pastors and teachers and then and he did it for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry we have a job to do for the edifying or the strengthening of the body of Christ verse 13 till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect or a complete man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual or the powerful working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body 
unto the edifying or the strengthening of itself in love, or in the Holy Ghost, in other words. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity or the worthlessness of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated or cut off from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, the lack of knowledge that is in them, that is, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle or style of living, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one to another. I could almost stop there and just say, lying, what is that? Nobody lies anymore, right? Everybody just says whatever they want to say, and it's not lying. I, I think for some people, lying has lost its meaning. Uh, it just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They just, they just lie. And I think that you might want to wake up to that spirit that is in our generation and just determine that you're not going to be a part of that, that you're going to do what the book said, speak the truth in the Holy Ghost. Okay, just wanted to pause there. Let's move on. Be ye angry, verse 26, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with hands the thing which is good, and he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or strengthening, encouraging, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, that's loud talking at the mouth, and evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Everybody said tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That means the Spirit, for the flesh's sake, hath forgiven you. It is that word tender-hearted that I'd like to deal with a little bit this morning. I had to read a lot to get to it, didn't I? But, you know, it's sometimes it's a little hard to break in there and, and uh, without pulling something just out of context. I wanted you to get a little bit of the big picture. Now that I made you stand so long, I let you sit down. God bless you. It's good to have each and every one of you here, as I said. I think I told um, a couple people that the other day I had to go into uh, Steinmart. And uh, obviously it was Senior Sister Fell because that's me and Steinmart don't have anything much in common. And uh, so I, but I, the thing I liked about it was the, the restroom. And I wanted to go in and use the restroom. And so I couldn't even find her. You know, it's, you know how it is. I'm, I went all around the store. I couldn't find her. There are holes in these stores, and they just swallow your wife up, you know, and you can't find her. 
And then all, so I said, I, I went to the foolproof method. I took out my cell phone. I called her. <laughs> I said, where are you? She said, I'm right over here on this side where that big sign says thus and so. I said, I just passed by there and did not see you. I said, I'm going to the restroom. She goes, well, I'll meet you back that way. I said, okay, okay. So anyway, that was my, my little endeavor for the day on that one. But uh, I guess what I'm saying is, oh, boy, it's easy to get lost. But when I went in to Steinmart and walked in the front door, no less than four heads popped up and said, good afternoon, good to have you here. And I thought, wow. So I took a couple of steps. And then I turned around and faced all of them, and I said, you know, y'all could come to my church, and you could be my greeters. You know, and they all laughed, thought that was great. And, uh, and I remember I was telling somebody, I remember going down to um, Cheesecake with the kids, the young people, and one time, and, and uh, there was a young lady that worked at the front as a hostess, and I think her name was uh, Shania or something of that nature. And uh, I just can't remember. It's been quite a while now. But... Um, she, a uh, little old bitty skinny thing, with a giant smile, and she would meet us, and she met our young people, and she shook their hands, and she welcomed everybody. And, and I told her, I said, you need to come out to our church, and I'll let you teach a class on how to greet people, uh, how to, to be, show hospitality, and, and to, to be so nice and warm and welcoming that people would feel, you know, that they're being welcomed, and they're glad that somebody's glad that you're here. And um, I, I hope that we will be that way with people that come to our church and that, that we will embrace people and realize that everybody needs this truth, everybody needs this message. And uh, I'm thinking of Pharaoh, old brother Pharaoh, not so much a brother, right? Old Mr. Pharaoh, and uh, how that in the book of Exodus that God was sending the deliverer to bring deliverance to his people that had been for over 400 years waiting to be delivered from Egypt and from Pharaoh and from bondage and how that God had to train a man, and he did, on the backside of the desert and gave him many experiences. Now, you see, Moses thought that he could take things into his own hands. He thought that he could do things according to his own power and strength and he looked in the mirror and thought he was a pretty good looking dude and after all he was the son of Pharaoh uh, he was taken in by Pharaoh's daughter and had found much favor but there was that which was in Moses's heart that he knew that he was not an Egyptian he knew that he was an Israelite and he realized that uh, uh, Pete you might want to put some of that greeting into effect right now at the back door thank you and that um he knew that there was a difference in him, that he wasn't like uh, the Egyptians. It was just, even though he was called the son of Pharaoh, uh, and he was, you know, the, apparently the son of uh, the daughter, but he refused. He refused, the Bible said, the treasures of Egypt because he stood up for who he really was, that he was a Hebrew. And he, he's, no matter all the things that he was being offered, all the things that were being delivered into his hand and promised to him, all the, shall we say, the wonders of Egypt, the, like the devil when he took Jesus in the New Testament up to the
the top of the mountain. The Bible said he showed him all the glories of the kingdom of this world. And he said, all this have I power to give unto whomsoever I will. Now, I want to tell you, first and foremost, the devil's nothing but a liar. So you don't want to believe what he's saying. You don't want to believe his lie and what all he's going to give you. He's going to give you grief. That's what he's going to give you. He's going to give you misery. He's going to tear your heart up. He's going to tear your life up. He's going to tear your family up. He's going to tear every good thing that God puts in your life. And, and Jesus told him very plainly because the devil said, if you'll fall down and worship me. And, of course, Jesus had to straighten him out with chapter and verse, and we don't serve anybody but the Lord God, and that's it. Him only shall we serve. And, of course, the Bible teaches that after several temptations and the Lord treating him to chapter and verse every time that the devil then departed from him. You know, if you resist the devil, the Bible said he'll flee from you. If you'll resist him, not in your strength of your flesh, but that you'll resist him in the strength of the spirit, that you'll resist him with chapter and verse, that you'll resist him with your, your obedience to Jesus Christ. These are the things that the devil flees. This is when we uh, employ, if you please, the uh, weapons of our warfare, which are mighty through God, not mighty through the flesh, not, not any kind of uh, natural weaponry at all. That does nothing to the devil. The devil laughs at that. You've heard people say they, you know, physically they were wrestling with the devil. Yeah, and the devil throw you halfway across the canal too. That will not work, I'm telling you. And the Bible certainly teaches it. You've got to deal with this in a most spiritual manner. We're dealing with God who is a spirit. We're dealing with a spiritual book and spiritual word here. And it's not, that's why, again, Jesus said, you must be born again of water and of the spirit. It brings you to that place that you've got to have a change. You've got to be born again and become a new creation in, or a new creature, new creation in Christ Jesus. You've got to become a part of the real world, the spiritual realm. You've got to get your eyes lifted up and begin to look unto God, the God that's the creator of heaven and earth. And you've got to get in his world. You've got to get in his mind. You've got to see things his way. And you've got to realize that your Bible teaches you very plainly that the natural man does not receive the things of God. In other words, does not receive means he rejects them. He rejects them. That's what your Bible is talking about when it, whenever it talks about uh, you have not so learned Christ or you have not received Christ in this manner. And to as many as uh, received him, to them gave he uh, the power of God and the, and, the, and the strength of God and the love of God. What that is just simply saying to those that didn't reject, to those that didn't push it away, but to those that opened their hearts, their door that Jesus is knocking, uh, the door of their heart, and he's saying, open that door and I'll come in. Don't reject my overtures. Don't reject my love. Don't reject my word, but receive it. Receive it. In other words, you, you've heard people say when you tell them something sometimes and they'll say, I'm not receiving that, you know. Well, that's the attitude that, that can drive away the things of God when in reality we want to be open to the things of God. Hence, we want to be tender-hearted. We, we want to have a heart that's tender. We want to have a heart that can be touched and reached and dealt with. And that Pharaoh, the Bible teaches, that uh, when Moses was uh, taken by God and and arranged because Moses thought that he was going to uh, do this thing on his own. 
And he had to find out, he had to learn a lesson real quick that it's not going to work on your own. And that's why when the when the uh, the Hebrew man and the Egyptian man did strive and fight, and that and that Moses thought this is my chance, I'm going to do this thing, and he steps out there and he separates them from fighting, and then uh, next thing you know, the Egyptian guy rises up on Moses, and so Moses smites him and kills him, and so he said, oh boy, so he digs him a little hole and he and he buries this this uh, guy and covers him over with the sand. You know, you can't you can't cover your own sin. Woe to them that cover with a covering that's not of my spirit, saith the Lord. There's not any recipe out there. There's not anything. There's no catalog. There's no store anywhere. There's no online thing that you can get that's going to help you with your sin. You're going to cover it with the blood of Jesus Christ when you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all of your sins. That's the only way it can be dealt with. It's the only way. It's the only way God recognizes. The only thing God's going to accept. Everybody said amen. Everybody talks about accepting Christ. You better see if you can get Christ to accept you. you know? better, better see if, if you can get his attention. My pastor got the Holy Ghost because he got to the place where he thought God didn't want him. And when he got broken up, humbled down enough with that attitude, then God filled him with the Holy Ghost. You know, But when you're approaching God with the attitude, look at me, look how big I am, look how strong I am, look at this, look at that, you know, and how smart I am and talented I am, and, and God's like, can't do much with you, <laughs> not not with that attitude, you know. So we've got to get to a place like Moses, and we have to learn our lessons. And so God uh, arranged because two Hebrews got in a fight, and Moses marched up there. He didn't learn a thing from the previous day. He marched up there and tried to separate the two Hebrews that were fighting, and one of them popped up and said, "What? You're going to smite and kill me like you did the Egyptian?" And at that same, Moses became a fugitive. The Bible said he fled. He ran away, and he wound up in a land where he lived for 40 years on the backside of the desert, and he wasn't in the bright lights of Egypt anymore. He was, he was in the back of the back of the back of the back of the boonies somewhere, and, uh, but God brought the kind of light that he needed to see, and the Lord appeared to him in a burning bush, and Moses said, well, let me turn aside and take a look at that site. Uh, there's a bush that's on fire, but it's not being burnt up. It's not being destroyed. What's going on? And the next thing you know, he's hearing a voice that's telling him, you better get your shoes off your feet. You're on holy ground, son. You better show some respect. You better be careful how you talk, how you act. Because God's right there looking. God's taking it all in. And God wasn't pleased. And he gave him some instructions on how he could show proper respect. And so anyway, from there, Moses began to get his training, and uh, after he finished his training courses, then it came time for him to be sent down to Egypt to deliver the people because they were crying from their oppression. They were doing the smart thing, they were, and that's what the oppression was for, was to get them to where they would be tender-hearted. Did you ever, uh, I don't know, my wife has a little square block-looking thing with a handle on it, and uh, it's got all these little nibby-nobbies all over them. And uh, that's what you, it's been a long time since she's used it on my head. But anyway, kidding, hello. But anyway, I, I need to kid about that. I need to be careful about that because I think there's some people around town that say I beat my wife up. I have no idea where they got that idea from. And I promise you I don't beat my wife up. I'm kind of worried about her chasing me around the house with the thing. And I'm going to get you, <laughs> you know. So anyway, um, 
She's got this thing. It's actually a meat tenderizer. That's what it is. It's a meat tenderizer. And you get that, you get that piece of chicken, and you just beat that thing. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, you, you beat it till it's real small, and I don't know what all you get out of it. And, uh, and then it's being prepared to be, I guess, breaded and cooked. And so, you know, God has a hammer, I'm trying to tell you. God has, it's the, it's the hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Sometimes God has to break our little rock up here in pieces, doesn't he? And you ever read in the Bible about the seed that fell upon the, the rocks? Well, that's right up here. That old seed falls right upon it, and we got plenty of rocks up there. We, we have a lot of stubbornness, and to go along with it, we have a lot of pride. And, uh, and the Lord has to knock the stuffing out of us, so to speak. And he has to soften us up with that hammer, you know, and, and get us to where he can talk to us. My pastor used to say the Lord had to hit him over the head with a two-by-four just to get his attention <laughs> so that he could then talk to him. And so, oh, brother, I, uh, I, I, I would rather willingly, willingly, you know, just present myself to the Lord and, you know, I'd like you to know whatever you want, I'm, I'm going to be willing to do it. I'm going to put an effort to do it. I, I'm not fighting. I'm not resisting because um, I do fear you and that you are far greater than I am or could ever even imagine to be. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. And uh, all the elements listen to you. And you know all the stars and their names. You know the number of them. You know, God asked Abraham that he said, number the number of the stars. And what do you think Abraham did? Why well, he pulled out his calculator. And his calculator blew up on him. He said, Well, can't do that, Lord. I, I, I can't do it. Oh well, well, try the sand of the seashore. Number that. Uh, Lord, I think the message is I can't do that. I can't do that. Can't do that. Well, you see, you see, God, He knows everybody. And He knows everybody's name. And he knows all the stars, and he's numbered them. And uh, we need to remember who we're dealing with. We need to remember that he cares and that he's looking, that he's concerned. And we need not to provoke him to anger. We don't need to do that. I don't want to be in the hands of an angry God. I don't want that. It is written, it's a fearful thing to fall. First thing, it's fearful to fall, isn't it? <laughs> Into the hands of the living God. You know, in uh, the sports world, they, they often talk about all the, somebody, Bernard, you, you're going to, oh, there he is, hi. Got those peepers open? Good boy, good man. Okay, because I fixed to tell you something, you don't like it. Okay. In the, in the sports world, they often, um, you know, are very excited about people that can make fantastic catches. And they, you know, they can make one-hand grabs and all kinds of things that they can do. And, of course, now they wear super glue on their hands, so I guess it makes it that much easier. But anyway, back in the day, <laughs> you had to overcome sweat and everything else to make, to make a good catch. But the point is, um, and all the acrobatics that they put to it, but I want to tell you something. The Bible said, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. One of the things about a receiver, whatever position, whatever a receiver is that he, he's got to have soft hands. He's got to be able to cradle that ball and to take it into himself and, and protect it. 
Nobody got soft hands like my God. He, he, he knows how to be gentle. He knows how to be tender. He knows how to be kind and loving. Those are the sides of God that I'd like to be, I like to be acquainted with. The part where he was described as he runneth upon me like a giant, <laughs> not really wanting to meet that. There was one player, it was in the newspaper many years ago, long retired, and uh, he's the only player that ever got a flag for an offensive foul. You know why, Dre? Okay. Because he was in wide open territory, nothing between him and the goal line, except over to the right was a safety. And so he was running to the goal line, and he veered course. And he went right for that safety. And he said, before I get to that goal line, I'm going to run that dude over. <laughs> and they threw a flag on him for it. <laughs> what can I say? I don't want God to change course and run me over. I don't want him to run upon me like a giant, you know. I mean, you got a 250-pound guy rumbling at you, you know, and you're down there at 190 pounds. You're not really going to want to get run over by that guy. Not hardly. I, I uh, did play a little ball, and um, I, I, I broke my collarbone up here or some, something up in there, and uh, I know they sent me to the doctor and had, did all kinds of things or whatever. And so um, it was the beginning of the season. It was, it was actually early practice before the season started, summer sessions, two a day, and, and it was very hot, and I, and I got hurt, and I, I was very upset because, you know, we hadn't even started yet, and here I am, you know, and they're telling me you're out, out for the season, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to let that happen. And uh, my doctor was actually the team doctor, and he lived right down the street from me, walking distance, and uh, I remember that I, I waited about, Two weeks. Now, I got to admit, two weeks with no wind sprints was fine. I liked that vacation. That was great. But, you know, it was getting time. So I went down to the doctor, and I, his name was Fry, Dr. Fry. And I said, hey, doc, I said, um, I need you to sign the paper so I can go back practicing the team and everything. And he said, well, how are you feeling? And I said, well, I feel fine, fine, doc. He said, yeah. He said, right here, huh? I said, yeah. And he slid his arm down to my wrist. And just, just caught me. He was being so tender and so nice, and I, I wasn't ready. And he just took my away like that. And about that time, I barely kept myself from fainting. It just the pain that shot through, you know. I just, oh. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he said, I believe you want to, might want to wait just a little bit longer before you go back. Okay, Doc. So I waited a week. And, you know, rocks in the head here. You know, and I went back. Put on the shoulder pads, put on the helmet, put on the spikes, went out there. You know, the first guy to tackle me weighed 327 pounds. He runs upon me like a giant. <laughs> Not a good thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Oh, no. You might find at that moment that those hands aren't feeling very tender. You might feel like they did in Europe. They wanted to find out, you mentioned Poland, they wanted to find out if, uh, if you were 
some type of an educator, somebody that, you know, could sway the people instead of them doing what the communist regime wanted them to do. And so they would go to the men and they would shake your hand and they would feel the bottom of your hand. And if it wasn't calloused, then they had it figured out you were a scholar. You weren't somebody that was out roughing it in the field, a farmer or something, but that you were a scholarly person. And they're the ones that they took off and carted off to prison and kept them away from the people so that they couldn't get to their minds and teach them that what was going on was wrong. It's just like when they took the Bible, the people that had left the original church and the original teachings, the doctrine of Christ and the apostles' doctrine. And they rose up and they left because they wanted to go backwards. And so they went to Rome in opposition to Jerusalem, in opposition to the original teachings of Jesus Christ. And the, they started baptizing incorrectly. Not only did they baptize saying the wrong thing, but they also got into baptizing babies because they wanted numbers. And they wanted to get them as young as they could and start programming them. And then they, they chopped God up into, the one God, up into threes. And they brought in all kinds of things from the Old Testament because they were Jewish. And they, had, they were among the originals in the early day. And they, they left out of Jerusalem. And they went to Rome and they, they wanted to go back under the law. They didn't want to move with, with what it was all about, what it was teaching, and that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. They didn't want none of that. They wanted to go back under the law. They wanted to go back to the old. They didn't want the new. And so they, they got everybody good and confused, mixed up, and uh, they began to, to fight and to fight and to fight. And you know, that's, the characteristic of a spirit is to fight. Characteristic of a spirit is to tear up what's planted, pluck up what's planted. Yeah. Comes he's not called the destroyer for no reason. In two languages. He's the destroyer. He's the angel of destruction, the messenger of destruction. And so Moses heads down to Egypt. He's got his staff that God has showed him. I'm going to give you that for a sign. You're going to convince the leaders, them that should be leaders among us. And so Moses went and he told them what God's plan was. We're getting out of here. We're not going to be in bondage anymore. So he got the elders behind him, seemingly. And then he, they in turn went to the rest of the congregation, shall we say, which had grown to quite a number in the land of Egypt. 
And then, then Moses had the task with his brother Aaron. And uh, they went in, who would be the, the spokesperson, and they went in to Pharaoh. You can read all about it in Exodus. It's time to leave. It's time to go. Let my people go. And Pharaoh was all huffy. Who is the Lord God that I should let you go? Your money to me. I'm not letting you go. And then he made the task more difficult because they even asked. And that made the people all chafed at Moses and the leadership because it got a little bit tough. You might think you're pretty tough until one of them 327-pound guys tackles you. <laughs> you find out what you're made of real quick. I had a young man came to church here, sat around the front. He was from South Bay. And uh, we baptized him, and he got a little blessing in his life. And But his mama got a hold of him and got him to go into her church. And I don't think that lasted too long. I think he got back right back into the same old former conversation and lifestyle. And uh, because religion just ain't going to cut it. But he told me, he said, you know, I was away in New Jersey. He said, I was going to college. He said, and I played football. And he said, one of them big running backs, he said, senior pastor, I'm telling you, he said, that guy hit me so hard, my whole body shook. He said, and I, I went in the, in the locker room, and I went in the stall, the bathroom, and he said, and I shut the door, locked it, and he said, I sat on the commode. He said, I cried like a baby. He hit me so hard. You know, I'm trying to tell you that sometimes people ask for it. You know, sometimes people ask for it, and sometimes they get it. And... They feel like, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what I asked for. But then again, really, it's the signals that they were sending that they asked for it. And Pharaoh was asking for it. It's very disrespectful. Who's the Lord God? Who's he? I'm Pharaoh. Look at me. You know? Too bad he didn't realize that God was looking at him. <laughs> and oh, brother, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We got Moses going and raising the rod, turning the, the river to blood, turning every, every source of water was turned to blood. They dig a new hole looking for fresh water. Up came blood. It was a bad situation. But of course, religion was employed, and, and we could do that too. And they, you know, I guess they had a, a bottle of water and they put Kool-Aid in it and turned it red and said, see, we can do it too, you know. Did some kind of enchantment like that, some little trick like that. Threw some dye in there. And uh, so Pharaoh was like, huh, see. And so Moses and Aaron have to trot out and traipse out. And then they come back again. And after a while, it got to where the magicians, with their religious ways, when the dust got turned to lice, they said, okay, we can't do this. This is nothing but the finger of God. We're backing up here. Only trouble is, see, I've told people before, I, I had a woman and her husband here, and he backslid on us, started laying out of church. You know, I have been here for over 40 years. And uh, 
Yeah, I remember they filled a whole pew, one family. We did all kinds of good things for them, but there comes a time when, as Jesus said, for which good work do you stole me? Somehow or another, the luster of all the good that was done gets lost. Gets, it grows strangely dim. And uh, because they're receding, into, a person that's going backwards is receding into darkness. And they're losing the light. And that's what happened. And this man just went back and, and uh, you know, he wasn't coming to church. And that's a bad thing. <laughs> it doesn't have a very good effect. And then, of course, he began to pressure. And uh, I remember telling the woman, I said, you mark my words. I said, you're, you're speeding down the wrong highway. And I said, you are going to want to put the brakes on, and you probably will. And I said, and when you do, your kids are going to go right past you. I said, they're not going to stop. They're not going to put the brakes on. Yeah. And I'm afraid that, yea, I say unto thee, was accurate and correct. And uh, it was pretty bad for Pharaoh. They kept provoking God. And you know what God kept saying to Moses? He kept saying, uh, you go into Pharaoh and you tell him thus and so and thus and so and thus and so. He said, but he's not going to listen to you because I'm going to harden his heart. I'm going to harden his heart. I'm going to do that. Because God said, I'm going to use him to get honor. I'm going to use him to show my might and my power so that others might fear. Right about then, I wouldn't have wanted to be Pharaoh for nothing. I wouldn't have wanted to be in his shoes for his socks. Yeah, I don't care how gold his throne was. You know, I don't care what connections he had, who he was on Facebook with or Instagram with or whatever the other names are. God knows there's a new one every day. And it's the worst thing. It's the worst thing ever for many, many reasons on many, many levels. Could it be used for good? Yeah. Television could have been used for good too, but it wasn't, was it? No. No, not at all. There's lots of things. A piano could be used for good. But there's a lot of people that use it for bad. The guitar could be used for good, but there's a lot of people that use it for bad. The drums are instruments that could be used for good, but a lot of people use them for bad. Saxophone, a lot of people use it for bad. Yeah. So Moses was and Aaron, they were instruments of God for righteousness. But you had people like Pharaoh that had no intentions of submitting to God's righteousness. Who is the who's who's he? Who does he think he is? I don't have to listen to him. And so God just would harden his heart every time and until finally the day came. After nine plagues, God said, Okay, Moses, here's the deal. Here's your instructions. Here's the word of God. Here's how you're to live. Here's how you're to carry this out. Do it exactly like I'm telling you, Moses. Because the difference is life and death. If you don't take the blood of that lamb and put it over your doorpost, the destroyer 
is coming in. He's going to take the firstborn of every cattle, of every beast of the field, and of every family. He's going to take the firstborn. He's a destroyer. He said, but if that blood is up there, he said, I won't suffer him to go in that house. I won't let the devil get your house. I won't let the devil bring death to your house. As long as you got that blood there. You want to make sure you're sending a signal. I personally, I think that you not only wanted to dip the brush in paint, might want to take the whole bucket <laughs> just throw it all over. Make sure, you know, I want to just, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You know what? Maybe that'll get you a little drop. You know? Hey, have you ever seen the place over there? It's by my wife's favorite, one of her favorite places called Dollar Tree. She goes there and gets all kinds of things for the church and Sunday school stuff, and she just loves it because everything's truly a dollar. And she'll tell you, don't, don't go to this one, don't go to that one. Said that, that, that's not the one. You have to go to the green one. So I've been getting very educated. And I was really listening because every time she said it's only a dollar, my ears perked up. You know, I mean, she wasn't saying Saks Fifth Avenue or Bloomings, Bloomies or anything. She, the Dollar Tree. And I am always happy to take her to the Dollar Tree. I've got my little spot to park, and I read my Bible, and I listen to the CDs, and I'm happy, man, you know. And I, sometimes I get so engrossed, she has to call me and say, and I look up, and she's standing at the curb with all the basket full, and I've got to hustle up and get on over there, you know, get everything loaded up. But, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the good old Dollar Tree, I like that. I like that. And there are things that uh, we get to be a part of, and it's a lot of fun, and, and we like it. But there can be some things that are unpleasant if we're not careful. There can be some things that we invite to ourselves that are going to be costly. They're going to be very costly. We want to heed. We want to take heed to what we hear. We, we don't want to fight. We don't want to resist God. We want to fight the good fight of faith and resist the devil. We want to get the target right. We, we, want, to, we want to persevere in the right things. And it's amazing how that Pharaoh resisted God right up through to where the death angel went through the land. And he started smiting. And when they woke up, and it happened at midnight, by the way, and when they woke up and saw that there was death all throughout the land, man, there was a cry in Egypt that had never been heard before nor since that took place that night. That night. God can, he can, uh, if you're not crying, he can make you cry. You know? If you're not showing a tenderness in your heart, 
Well, God can take out that little tool and instrument, and he can he can tenderize you. He can, you know, boom, 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 and put a little of that tenderizing salt, boom, 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 a little of that tenderizing, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> he can get you to rear you a real limp, you know, real limp. He can do that. He can do that. He can give you the beat down of a century. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And that's not really what God wants to do. God would much rather that we show ourselves tenderhearted. He much rather that we would show ourselves obedient. One place talked about as obedient children. That was the phrase. As obedient children. It's, it's so much better, so much better when we show ourselves cooperative and that we respect our God, our body language, our words. Everything about us is, is showing that we love and respect our God and that we're not going to get caught up in the wrong things. We're going to be Stronger than that. We're going to be wiser than that. We're going to have more knowledge than that. We're not going to be, the Bible used that term, ignorant. We're not going to be lacking in knowledge. We're growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're learning how God is and how he does things. He's the lawgiver. He's the boss. He is He's sovereign. You know, that, that means he's the supreme power. And that's what old Pharaoh had to find out, didn't he? And Moses said, God told Moses, he said, this time, he said, Pharaoh's going to let you go. When I take his firstborn son, he's going to let you go. He's going to have a change of heart. He's going to be singing a different tune. <laughs> and, uh, he quit singing, I'm all that. And he started singing, I ain't nothing. <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah. And so Moses got the people together and whoop, out they went. God blessed them and told them how to spoil the Egyptians. And they did it all. Offerings, 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 offerings. And the Egyptians were just pouring it in there. Go, take this, take that, take the other. Have a good time. Glad to see you go. Bye-bye now. They were glad to see them go. They, they, they were too busy Digging graves and having funerals. Oh, brother. What a privilege to go and serve the Lord. To go and worship the Lord. To be called out of darkness into marvelous light. What a privilege it is to be rescued from a place called hell. The preacher was... Uh, come to Florida for a little break and uh, he was with my pastor and a couple others and they I think they were down at the Keys and uh, this was the Keys of you know probably better than 50 years ago so it was a lot different back then and uh, there was a church house there had some steps coming down the front and uh the one preacher, he got separated 
Oh, yeah. i got to remember to tell you about the store, the place next to the Dollar Tree. That's what I wanted to tell you. Anyway, they got down there, and they were you know, enjoying the sunshine, the palm trees, and, you know, I think there was a place called Sloppy Joe's or something. I don't know. Some kind of famous place. little hole in the wall, but, you know. And uh, while they were... While they were doing that, one of the preachers went missing. One of the preachers went missing. They, they didn't know where he was. And uh, they actually found him at the police station because they just thought he got lost. and uh, Or maybe somebody kidnapped him or something. They didn't know what happened. And they wound up down at the police station, and the police station said, we've got him here. And they said, here? I said, Why? What did he do? And they said, we found him. We found him sprawled out on the steps of this church. I don't know what church it was, what name it was, what denomination it was. And, and he was screaming. Screaming. And they, they, they said we, we had to take him. Somebody called us and we had to go get him. And that's how we found him. And, and we thought he was crazy. So we brought him here. But, but there's no problem here. You can have him. <laughs> and uh, what happened was when they got the preacher and they said, Brother, they said, what, what happened? And he said, I don't know. He said, I, I just felt such an overwhelming burden. Such an overwhelming burden that came over me. He said, I, I just began to pray. He said, I, I just started praying. The store, the, the storefront next to the Dollar Tree where my wife goes. Three words up top that names that place. Hard exercise work. For us, Hard prayer works. Not, I oh, lay down to sleep, and pretty soon you are sleeping. You know, told you about the young preacher that was here when we had early morning prayer, and 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 we called it man up, and he he was in praying, and he threw his hand up and he said, man down, man down. <laughs> he he couldn't stay awake. I have Bible study at 7.30 in the morning at 2J's in the mall. Before they open, they allow me to go in there and have a Bible study. And um, we send out a mass text. Sister Mila does every Tuesday for me while we're at Fort Myers having church. And uh, so I've got to race back from Fort Myers and get my act together and be up bright and early and be on the road and be there. And uh, But, uh, you know, I had one one of the servers came out to the Bible study, and and she was sitting there, and her, all of a sudden her eyes and her head go. She went. So I told her next time you come to my Bible study, come with a can of Red Bull, will you? And I said, get a little jolt of some caffeine, and I know it's a little difficult for you, so uh, try that. You know, if, if you don't drink coffee. They tell me that's a good shot of caffeine. I don't know if that to be true or not, but that's what they say. But uh, anyway, I'm just simply saying hard prayer works, church family. Hard prayer works. That you get serious. That you, you know, people will go and they'll, 
they'll pump iron. They'll do all kinds of exercise. And you can peek in the window of that place. And, and then they go jogging and they come out of there and they're all sweaty and smelly and, and they're going jogging. They got to run so much and then come back and then go and do their exercise. All for bodily exercise. That profiteth little. You know? Yeah. You know, the Bible said beauty is vain. It's worthless because it's going to fade. They don't care how much Botox you get. Yeah. You can blow up like Kim. I don't, it don't matter. Get all you want to get, but it, it, you can't stop the ravages of time. And the flower, the beauty of your, of your youth is going to fade. Better to work with that inner man that can be renewed day by day. That when you step out into eternity... And we're all headed there, either to the right place or the wrong place, and there is no in-between. Nothing but a big gulf, a big chasm. That's all that's in-between. And one cannot pass to the other. And they're wanting to, and they're not wanting to. Not at all. But when you become an infant in, et in eternity, You'll just be an infant in eternity. The infancy of your eternity. You want it to be like Lazarus was shown. That you'll be in those soft hands of that living God. You'll be cradled to his chest. That's what the guy that was hard-hearted like Pharaoh. He did everything in life. Just gave himself over to it. Couldn't think of anything to do except things that weren't having anything to do with spiritual. Ignored the work of God. Ignored God. Ignored leadership. Ignored the word. Ignored, ignored, ignored. Base root word for ignorance. Till he died. The next thing you read is he lift up his eyes in hell, being in torment, begging God. Well, would have been better to do that begging God stuff while you're here. Hard prayer, hard begging prayer works. You know, it works. There's something about tender that, that God won't refuse. The Bible teaches a broken and a contrite spirit that God won't refuse that. You know? For I'd, I'd hear my pastor pray sometimes. And he'd say, won't you do it? Won't just the way he would say it. Oh, friend, I promise you. <laughs> there was times when God couldn't refuse. I guess that's why my pastor told me one time when he was feeling pretty good about some things, and, and uh, he said, you know, he said, I do believe I could 
just about get God to tell me anything. So the day came one time, and I there was a certain thing, and I said, you know, you told me thus and so. It must have not been a very good day, because he went, oh. <laughs> oh well, when we're up, we're up, right? When we're down, we're down. Well, the stock market must have been down that day, but I'm trying to tell you. This thing will work, church family, if you do it the way God said to do it. If you'll do it that way. To be, I want to read to you from the book of Luke. If you'd like to take a peek, and we're about done here. Luke chapter 1, and verse 78. There's Again, I could read a lot, but I won't. There was so much good here to break in. And I believe Zacharias was prophesying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn or a power of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which he had been, have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. You know, we ought to claim, we ought to claim the oath because your Bible said that that's what put an end to all strife. When God swore by himself because he could swear by no greater and it's the immutability of his counsel. I'm telling you, God's going to do what he said he's going to do. And God's going to have his way. God, things are going to be according to what God wants, as his will is, what he says. He's a performer, our God. He brings it to pass. And so we do real smart to get in line. We, we'd be real smart to shape up and not ship out. Get with God. Listen to what he went on to say. As I skip down, verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Yes, sir. Tender mercy of our God. Characteristic. Tender mercy. In the, I read to you from Ephesians. Now I will read to you from the book of James, chapter 5. And I'm closing with this. James, chapter 5. That's the last chapter of James, as a matter of fact. James, chapter 5, and verse 11. Memory serves me right. He said, Behold, we count them happy which endure. As a matter of fact, verse 10 said, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. He said, Behold, or look, we count them happy which endure. He said, You have heard of the patience of Job 
and have seen the end of the Lord. Oh, Job's going through it, man. Look at him. Look at Job. My God, did you hear about Job? Boy, he's really getting a dog beat out. Have you heard about him? He's sitting in ashes and sackcloth. His garments are all rent. His wife's even giving him a hard time. And he's got three miserable comforters that come by in a self-righteous attitude. Don't you wish those self-righteous attitudes just stayed where they were at and didn't put their nose into Job's business? Making bad matters worse? When they should have been helping him, they were hurting him. Yeah. Verse 11, you have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Yeah. Right there in your book. Tender. Tender-hearted. Only two times the Bible uses the word tender-hearted. I'm not going to take the time, and I... I wish I could have gotten to an eight-year-old king and have given you the history and the background of that, but I don't have time to do that this morning. But I tell you again, if you'll stand with me now, 4 and 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. That's what the teaching is. Grieve not, telling you, don't, you grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed, or y'all, nice southern term, sealed with the day, unto the day of redemption. Let all, everybody said all, all. bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So I'm going to tell you what. You can, uh, you can put in some hard prayer that works. Or you can get some hard beat down from God, and that works too. That works too. Yeah, that works too. I, uh, I remember when my pastor got sick one time, I guess it was one of those hit him on the head with the two-by-four to hear him tell it, and uh, he prayed to die. He prayed to die. It was that bad. I think they call it kidney stones. And you know, that's like taking a rock. It's not big like that, but you might want to think of it as big like and trying to put it through the head of a sewing needle. That's what's going on in your body. And the pain is excruciating, they tell me. Excruciating. It's a whole lot better. A whole lot better. You know, when I pray and I'll say, God, you know, make me this and make me that. And then I stop and I say, wait a minute, God, um, make me willing. To be like that. <laughs> I want to qualify that statement, Lord. I, I really don't want to beat down. And I know you know how to beat down. I know you know how to get a person's attention. So I'd rather come and put in the hard prayer 
exercise and and sweat a little bit, work out a little bit, you know. And uh, I'd rather do that. I'd rather put in the effort. I'd rather do that. Tenderhearted is what I'm talking about. Pharaoh, he got hard-hearted. He got hard-hearted. And, and every time, instead of what, instead of the, the preaching from Moses and Aaron, instead of the, the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the blessings and the good things of God doing their job, instead, Pharaoh just got harder. Until God said, I'm going to harden his heart for him. He wants to have a hard heart. I'm going to harden it for him. I'll fix him real good. And I'll make him an, 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 a vessel. I want to say instrument, but it was a vessel. I'll make him a vessel of wrath. I'll make him an example. Oh, brother. I want to be. I want, I want to be a vessel of mercy. How about you? I want to be a vessel of mercy. One place it said, mercy upon the house of so-and-so. I believe it was Aniferous. I, I, I want to be. I want God to pronounce mercy through the preacher. That's who he did it through. Through the preacher. I want the preacher to be saying mercy on that house, Lord. Mercy on that man and woman and child. Mercy on this one. Mercy on I want, I want that coming. I want that. You know, that's why. <laughs> that's why sometimes I come here very, very early in the morning. And I'll walk around praying and I'll, I'll stop the pews. And I'll pray. Oh, yes, I will. I'll stop and I'll. Now, you're not usually here. You're over there. But I'll, I'll say, God, I want you to touch the car and all the girls. Go right down the wire. I'll go down to wire here. I'll say the weekly. Yeah, I will. Say the very. Yeah. Now we got the meeting. And beggars, I'll call in there. Oh, and Winston Jacqueline all the time. Man, Willie May. Can you get over her fear of water and I can get her baptized? Just man. Yeah, I'll go small. Yeah. Omar and Sweet. And I'll go down the center aisle. And I'll call names over there. And I'll go around the other side. And I'll come up. I'll get all the young men. Yes, I will. And and I and I'm straining my brain not to forget anybody. You know, 3:30 in the morning, I'm a little foggy, so I'm trying to get all the juices flowing. And uh, you know, I figured I would just scream real loud and wake the neighbors up. I'm, I like that. I've been doing that for over 40 years, so why stop now? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get in there and I'll get Sister Joseph and Franchette. Yeah, Wanda. Altez, yeah, right on down the wire. I'll be on that side, and I'll get the guys. Eddie, Sarissa, yeah, and Vicky and Alice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mercy, Lord. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. The God of mercy, great are thy mercies. Thy mercy endureth forever. Oh, God. Hard prayer works, church family. I think we could pray a little harder. I really do. I think that we could focus our mind and shut the door. That's what entering into the closet's all about. And I, I the other night, we were leaving out here Wednesday, uh, Sunday night, and I shut that one side and I put the I put the stand with the little no food in the sanctuary sign out there. And my wife, we were leaving, she goes, what is that there for? 
And I said, well, don't worry about it. I said, I said, it'll be gone by the time you come back. And so she just shook her head and we left, you know. And then we came back the next morning, <laughs> you know, and she got the revelation. And I said, yeah, I did it. So when I came for prayer in the morning, I wouldn't have to do an extra thing. I had something already done. Make it a little easier. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got it now. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you got it. You know, and then I, and, but some mornings I, I shut the other door too. Because, you know, there's a lot of light comes from across the canal. One morning I was chasing the light up here. It was a red light. And I thought you left something on. And I'm hunting all over. I'm crawling on the floor. Where's the button? What, what is going on? Especially when you leave that back piano on. You know, it lights up the whole thing at 3.30 in the morning. And so I'm, I'm looking for buttons, trying to shut things off. But that red light wasn't up here. It was coming from clean across the canal over there at Carter Tree Farm. <laughs> so I just went out there and I got the other thing. I shut the other door and I said, now, we'll take care of that. I don't want to be disturbed. I'm in my closet. And you don't want me to be disturbed because you want to make sure that your name goes out of my lips. You want that. Hey, you need me. You better be loving me. I better be feeling the love because when I have to give account for you, you want me to do it without grief. That's what you want. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's lift our hearts with our hands and worship the Lord God together. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for life, for strength, for good health, for your many, many blessings that you rain down upon us, that you daily loadeth us with your benefits. Oh, God, help every one of us put in the hard prayer exercise that works, God. Every one of us, God. Every one of us. Jesus' name. Holy God. Holy Savior. Holy King. Oh, yes. Come on. Pick it up. Let's go.
Oh, yes, oh, yes. 